Tandem Nomads, episode 79. So it's not a question for me to choose between both, both lives. I, I, I like the idea how to complement both things. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show designed to help expat partners turn their career challenges into great opportunities and become global entrepreneurs. Every other Tuesday, you will find great inspiration and practical tips to build a portable and successful business. To download your free guidebook on the six steps to build a successful portable business, go to tandemnomads.com. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Emel Dregi, and our special guest today is Sonia Meza Quadra. Sonia, are you ready for the ride? I'm ready, Emel. Fantastic. Sonia comes from Peru. She lived abroad with her husband and kids in France, Guatemala, the UK, and the US. While moving from a country to another, she started volunteering, obtained three masters, and worked as an economy professor and researcher, and then as a manager in a major multinational mining company. So today, Sonia is a consultant associate in international development at Synergos Consulting Services. She is also a lecturer at Columbia University and a member of the expert group of the Relation and Responsible Mining Foundation in Amsterdam. Sonia is also on top of that the chairman of El Conocimiento Se Comparte, which is an NGO designed to support teachers from poor areas in Peru. Uh, Sonia, this is an amazing, amazing <laughs> description and bio that you have and achievements that you had in your life. Um, I tried to summarize it, but is there anything I missed? Um, maybe I will add something that for me is interesting, that here in New York, I am part of the board of the Women's International Forum, which is an organization that uh, the wife of ambassador uh, run. And that is something that I find very interesting also. That's true, actually. On top of all what you do, you're also a diplomatic spouse. And that's a very good point of, to, to highlight because uh, I don't know if you know Nomad Nation, but a lot of ex diplomatic spouses have a real role um, to play for their husband's uh, position. So I think we're going to talk about it quite um, a lot. And, uh, and your activity in the forum must be also interesting. So thank you for highlighting that. Um, so before we start going into the details, could you tell me a little bit about your journey before you moved abroad with your husband and what were your dream? What was your situation before you started traveling the world with your husband? Okay. Um, before I started moving, I was working as a financial analyst for a development bank in my country, in Lima, Peru. My, my husband and I, uh, we were classmates at the university, but he decided that he wanted to be a diplomat. And when he finished his career, he got a, a scholarship uh, from the French government. So we got married and, uh, and uh, we went to Paris and both of us, we got uh, a master's degree. What was your career plans at that time before? What were you envisioning for your career at that time? Yeah, I, I guess when I was at the university, I, um, I was enjoying my time. I was not thinking very much. <laughs> um, I was um, very uh, lucky because when I finished university, I immediately got a job. So I, I, I was thinking that I was going to have a, 
interesting life in Peru. I never thought really to move a, a, um, abroad. The first time that we uh, moved uh, abroad, it was not difficult because, as I mentioned, both of us, we went to, to study in France. Mm. Um, uh, still, the, the transition was a little uh, tough because I didn't realize at that time that I was doing uh, a change in, in different uh, um, um, areas. Uh, I, I became married, I, uh, I, I moved abroad, uh, and I got pregnant when I was abroad. So many, many changes at the same time that I, I, I was probably not ready for so many changes at that time. Yeah, so how did, you, how did you manage that? How did you manage that transition for you? Um, I, I, I really, um, I think probably is uh, part of my, my behavior, but I, I normally try to enjoy everything that I'm doing. I don't think uh, much about that. Um, the toughest part of moving came later on when I realized that I have been um, living a part of something that was important for me, which was my uh, professional career. And, and I start really to feel that I was afraid of not being able to come back to my own uh, job. And, and, and then I stopped enjoying much that kind of life and, and, and start to prepare myself to come back to update my skills. And, um, and also, um, I, at certain point, I thought that there were some things that I prefer more balance in my life. Now, I, I always think that I can do anything. I even enjoy doing the dishes, <laughs> if it's not what I, the only thing that I'm doing. Um, I remember very well something that I, I mentioned to you, that I was really happy enjoying uh, being with my little uh, son and, and my daughter in a park in Paris. And, and after, suddenly, uh, I, I start thinking, that is so nice, but I, I really don't like the idea that I will, will be only a mother forever. And, and at, at that moment, I realized that I had to really move and do something uh, because you are not going to to uh, be again on track if you don't do something for improving your your skills again yeah that's just so amazing what you shared here because i think that's a very good point the fact that you proactively realize that what you want to do you realize that i guess at the right time that this is what not what you want for your whole life and in order to to make the life for yourself that you want you decided to work on your skills on developing your skills in order to be able to build your career while moving from a country to another so what did you do then to build your skills what how what was the process for you yeah probably a lesson for me was the first time that i moved back 
to Peru, and I, uh, I, I thought that I was ready to get a good job, and I realized that uh, I, I, even though I have a very interesting uh, master degree in La Sorbona, and, uh, and I also was able to speak French, I was very proud of these two achievements, but I realized at that moment that those kind of um, um, skills were not necessarily uh, demanded in the Peruvian market. And, uh, and um, of course, I, I, I got an interesting job as a, a professor and, and researcher at that time. But then I thought, okay, next time when I uh, move abroad, I am going to be always looking at what are the opportunities in Peru because I know that I every after five years, I always go back to Peru. And, and so uh, when I was uh, ready to move, move back again, I um, decided to um, uh, study again. This time I, I got a master's degree in corporate social responsibility because I noticed that I love development. I like international development, but in, in Peru, the market was demanding really people who, who were able to work for companies, but but uh, doing um, programs with the communities around everything that is related to corporate social responsibility. So when I moved back, I was ready, really, to start uh, a career with the mining company that I already told you that I, I was um, a manager. There. Okay, that's great. I'm going to break down what you said because it's very interesting. But before that, could you tell me what were what 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 career did you have before you started doing mining? Oh, oh, I am I am an economist. Mm-hmm. I've been always uh, a link to development. So I am a development economist. Uh, but um, in my first years, I worked first with. Uh, um, in a, as I said, a development bank. So I was in charge of the finance area of development. Okay. Then I, I uh, when I was in Washington, I worked for an international organization, the, um, and I was there managing uh, programs um, with uh, farmers. And and um, and then I, I uh, when I moved to London, I was working for that for an NGO. So I always been in the international development field. Mm-hmm. What I did is I move uh, in the same field with different perspective. So when I um, uh, saw that the market for international uh, development economies was in the case of Peru, more related to companies that are they were starting uh, corporate social responsibility programs. So I um, study how this this in, uh, development is managed when you have a business perspective. Yeah, so that's really interesting. So if I break down what you did here, uh, on the first ground is that you did manage to find jobs in, in foreign countries where you, you moved. And afterwards you started and I love when you insist on looking at what the market needs. And that's one of the first things about building a portable career is to understand what the market needs. And you were very clever at that. You realized that the money, the people who are paying are actually the companies, not the NGOs. So you decided to upgrade your skills in order to be able to offer your services to the companies so that you can continue your career, right? 
Yeah. yeah. And um, so basically what you did is number one, figure out, figure out what were your actual skills. And I loved when you also considered what your life was going to be. You told us uh, that uh, you, you knew that you would have to go back to Peru on a regular basis. So you also looked at what are the needs in Peru. And that's how you actually got into mining because you saw that there was a big need in that industry, right? Yes, yes. And, and it's, this is consistent on what I'm doing here in New York because when I arrived here, I, I had already a consultancy for the, the mining company that I was working with. But I, I thought here I, there are also a lot of knowledge that uh, are interesting for me, you know, United Nations, Columbia University, many other um, interesting uh, places to, um, to be related with. So I thought I really need to find something that um, I, I uh, can relate, learn what they, they are uh, good and complement my, my skills because also at that time I started realizing that uh, I, I would like to have a um, career that I can balance with my uh, diplomatic life because I like being a, a, a part of the diplomatic environment also. I just came now from, from a lunch, I go to the cocktails, and, and I feel that that also gives me something interesting. So it's not a question for me to choose between both, both lives. I, I, I like the idea how to complement both both um that's very smart things yeah very interesting smart so nomad nation the reason why i asked sonia to come here on the show to share with you her experience is because she's the living proof of the importance of being able to assess your skills to assess what you need to get and in order to do that to assess what the market needs so is there any tips you can share on how you figure out what the market needs in your field so that you can continue to have a career I think probably uh, I already researched where, where the market was. But for instance, now I am here. Um, I started a very interesting network with all the um, people who are involved in the um, mining um, industry and development. But also I, I, there is an important initiative in United Nations during these this years, which is the, the approval of the Sustainable Development Goals, which is something very particular of this uh, period. And so I thought that is something that I can be involved. Now my clients intersect that. Um, uh, organization that are trying to uh, follow these new uh, approved goals. Uh, some of them are, of course, mining companies because they know that um, I have the experience in the ground because that is something that give me a, an edge. You know, here in, in New York, there are a lot of very knowledgeable professionals on the mining and development sector but very few have been able to work on the, on the field with the mm -hmm. communities. Um, so that, that gave me a, a competitive advantage. That's interesting. So you try to make yourself different and unique and you have built up 
you know, you have found your niche and that's, I talk a lot about it. Exactly. That's the word. Yeah. So that's very important tip that you're sharing here. Find where you can be unique in your market, what unique skills you can bring. And that sometimes takes time for some people to define, but, uh, I think what you've done is also develop a network and and be a listener. You've been listening to what was happening on the market and you developed the network and I'm pretty sure that you've been asking questions around, right? To figure out the answers of what is needed to be in that niche. The network is so important. I build my network from zero because when I arrive, what I what I did is I sent email to the people who were at the time uh, consultants for me that I knew that they were here and through them I met other people so now I have this network Mm -hmm. and I have my network in Peru I have my network in London I have several networks and I spend time on not losing contact so this is why I, I I travel. I always go to conferences that are related to the subject. I um, um, write uh, on the subject. I um, um, made a speech. Since that, the the network know that I am still involved on that subject. Um, so I feel network are key really for building a, a career. That's that's very smart. Actually, you said three things that I would really highlight for the, our listeners is the first one, go to the events where your people of your net of your industry are and keep contacts. I loved when you said that. Keep those contacts. It doesn't matter if you need them today or tomorrow, but build real relationships with people because that's really important. Uh, and I guess in order to do that, you have to also always insist on listening, being interested, asking questions, uh, not only selling yourself. That's the point of networking is to exchange information, not only sell. And the second thing you said that I like and I really encourage you Nomad Nation to do is to write about your expertise, do blogging, uh, offer free articles to uh, specialized magazines of your field. Uh, and offer yourself also to speak for special events. Those are really good tips. Number one is networking, obviously. Go to conferences. Number two is writing because that makes you become the expert. And the more you write and the more your articles get attraction, the more opportunities people might ask you to speak. Mm-hmm. So, so that's these are completely true. That's yeah. really good tips. Thank you for that. Tell us a little bit now. You've developed. Tell us just a little bit for those who don't know a lot about consulting. We're not going to go deep into it because there's so much other things I want to tell about what you've achieved. But um, very briefly, how did you manage to build your clientele in New York, and what do you actually do for your clients? Actually, um, to build uh, the the clients is. Also, again, the, the network helps a lot um, because when you go to these events and, uh, and um, you talk to the, to the people, normally in, in those events, there are different people who go. are people who are um, part of companies, corporations that are implementing programs. So talking to them, they know that you know something. So they start to... Um, to share with you what are the, their challenges. And you can start have a conversation and say, you know, 
you can approach in this way your your uh, main issues, and then they they call you. Okay, why you don't give me a a, a, a consultancy and and help me to figure out what is the best way to approach my corporate social responsibility program, and um, so I I feel is is. The best, the best way is moving around and, uh, and um, talking to people, not necessarily to, um, to get clients. Uh, sometimes it's only uh, because uh, with this conversation, you can also exchange a point of view about what is the best solution. And, um, and you can later on partner, for instance, with other consultancy firms. Um, so I, I feel most importantly is that you keep uh, uh, very knowledgeable in the subject, reading a lot. I love to read. Um, <laughs> and uh, sometimes we, we, I laugh because I thought, oh, my God, I always reading about mining and development, community development, uh, local supplier, employability, all the different issues that are related to mining and communities. But I like it. I enjoy it. I, I, it's not, for me, something that I said, oh, my God, I have to read. No, no. I, I, when, when I, uh, sometimes I even try myself to read about other subjects because I don't want to be always reading about that, but I enjoy. It's my, I, it's my passion. Yeah, that's a very good point. To be passionate about what you do helps a lot when you interact with people to show your knowledge because you want to share it anyways. So the more you share your knowledge and want to help people, the more they will ask you at the end of the day for more extensive help, and that's when you get contracts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. How did you decide how to charge your prices, etc., cetera, uh, your clients? To, because I guess okay. at the end of yeah. There are different, different clients. Um, what is very common is that you su- submit proposal for um, uh, a request for proposal. So in that case, uh, you, they gave you um, a range of uh, more or less what is the, the budget that they have. That is the easy one because you budget your your um, uh, consultancy and, and you figure out if it's really something that you um, uh, um, you can do it or if, if the budget that they have is too small, maybe you pass this time. And, and also I have to say that I, in, here in New York with a, uh, um, Synergos Consulting Services, and they have they have a whole methodology about how how do the budgeting. But to budget something basically is is about your individual um, fee. You know more or less in the market what are the range of um, how the consultants or your at your level charge for that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's time your fee, and of course, there are some uh, f- fixed um, costs, but it's, it's not uh, difficult, really. Um, of when, when you start in the business, and you are not very well known, uh, probably you, you need to also take that in consideration. But when you, you have already clients that uh, value 
what you are offering as a product, it becomes easy, really. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for those great tips here. So um, I would like to, to move to a little bit, talk a little bit about your NGO, because on top of all of that, you did create an amazing NGO. Could you tell us a little bit about it and how did you manage to do that? Well, that is such, um, I think it's a tribute to my, my, my dad. Um, I am very um, um, grateful because I have three siblings, the three of them, they are teachers in a public school in, in California. They are elementary um, teachers and um, they have been very successful. They got prizes and one of them, my sister Nancy, in, in 2009, she was uh, elected the um, top uh, bilingual teacher in California. And at the ceremony, we were the four of us, and my dad said to us, okay, now it's time to give back to our country of origin. Mm-hmm. And because the three of them are teachers, so we came together and said, okay, why we don't organize an, or, an NGO so we can go to Peru to teach teaching methodologies to uh, teachers in the poor areas of Peru. And little by little, we start to learn how to organize that initiative. Uh, we've been already involved on that uh, five, for more than five years. We have trained more than 2,000 uh, teachers, and things are really growing and, and, and growing. Wow. Yeah. So your NGO, the purpose of your NGO is to help the teachers in Peru to be able to do their job properly and help the kids grow with their skills. Is it it? Correct. Yeah. The, the, my my um, siblings uh, teach uh, methodologies on how to teach better reading, um, writing, math, and now we are uh, including also methodologies to teach English because in my country now English uh, is uh, obligatory in all the public schools. Mm. Yeah. And it is amazing that I think that what I like, the reason I wanted to talk about your NGO is to show how when you've managed to have your own success, uh, it is wonderful to be able to at some point also give back. And um, because I think it, they're in the expat world, it works in both ways. I mean, a lot of uh, expat partners do volunteer and do great job uh, in volunteering for organizations. And what interesting is that once you have your own success, then you can launch your own NGO and have and you know and and have other volunteers work with you for those projects. So, any tips on how are you managing to do all what you do, and on top of that? or managing an NGO that's not even in where you are. How are you doing that? Actually, our NGO is registered in California. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we are now working registered in, in Peru. But we have a, a group of uh, friends who also are volunteer for our NGO. The accountant is a volunteer. The person in, the person in charge of communication is a volunteer. So uh, all, all this group of people uh, help us to manage a little bit some of the different uh, roles that we need. So we we are now uh, thinking that probably we will soon need a, a person 
who are, are employees. But right now, everybody is a volunteer. Uh, so what is, how do you manage to get volunteers want to work for you, with you? <laughs> that is, I think, people who see what we do, they offer the um, every single volunteer were friends who see what we do, but probably also, and I I, I must say, when we go to Peru, we always uh, uh, try to get interviews in the radio in the newspaper, magazine, so people know what we are doing. Mm-hmm. And they write us and offer uh, their, their time to, to become a volunteers. But they need to know that we are there. Yeah. yeah, using PR is very smart. I mean, doing some PR and most a lot of journalists, when the cause is great and the project is great, are more than happy to talk about that project. So it's a very good tip. If, um, if Nomad Nation, you have this kind of project you want to share uh, and expand and grow because the exposure brings you not only uh, people who are ready to finance, but also people who are ready to volunteer for those who don't have the, the means financially. So that's, that's really great. But to go back to your skills and I think this is where it rounds up what are the skills you had to develop and what are those that you learned from the NGO and those that you brought to the NGO to be able to do that one thing that I I learned is um, how to be be best organized I, I, I thought that because I want to do many things that I enjoy doing I, I need to um, always have uh, my calendar well set um, in, uh, because I very early in my life, I noticed that the stress is because you uh, procrastinate, you leave things uh, at the last minute. And for me, it's terrible. I cannot do that. I really always put in my agenda three days really before the, the, the deadline. So I I um I I learned how to be organized. So and also I enjoy what you are doing because I, I, I always laugh about myself. I have to change my from my suit to my dress to go to the cocktail and and completely changed my my whole mind i and i was really discussing about um this interesting uh, project about uh, women empowerment in in i don't know in bangladesh and then i go to the cocktail and i meet this um interesting uh, person who don't really care about uh, doesn't care about um these kind of issues but uh, but there are always something interesting to to uh, to learn, to talk, to you see. Yeah, it's like possible it. to do this change. I, I like what you said here. The first thing is being organized. I guess you need to have a very good organization skills to be able to do that. And one of them, like you said, is know in advance what you have to do. I mean, project yourself three days in advance, knowing this is what I'm going to have to do and deliver in three days. So this is what I'm going to do to make it happen. So that's a really good tip. And and what you said, and I love it, is enjoy it. <laughs> you know, What's the point if you're not enjoying? So there's no mm-hmm. point of stressing out about this if it's not fun for you. And I love the fact that you can also switch um, your attention depending on the crowd with whom you are. That's a huge skill. A huge skill. And, pro- and probably 
I would like to add uh, that um, I also realized very early that uh, when I was not very happy living abroad, and I was noticing the bad things about that place. And, um, and everything is only what you feel. And, and I very uh, soon realized that the place is not important. It's important, but until certain extent. And then it's really how you feel inside. Um, I and, and now, for instance, I always heard that, oh, my God, it's raining. And I always think, doesn't matter. <laughs> what, what? Take an umbrella. So it's, it's um, things outside you, I feel... The, the level of influence is very, very small for me. I really f- try to feel happy inside, and that made me the energy, really, to, to continue with this. I love that you said that. It reminds me of one of the quotes I remember my first manager told me, um, it's not about uh, your environment. You cannot change your environment, but you can change how you perceive it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's all about how you perceive things and how you decide to manage the challenges that you have around you. It's, 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 we can also change our perspectives. And that's a great mm-hmm. quality to have, especially when moving abroad and from a country to another. And I like when you said it's not about the country at the, on, at the end of the day. It's about how you feel. Uh, deep inside. So that's really great. So on top of that, your mom, right? <laughs> so how do you do that? How how do you manage all of this in your family? Oh, my kids are, are already grown-ups. Yeah. I am a very proud mother because they are very successful. Uh, my, my daughter works for the World Bank. She's a mathematician. Uh, and my son, also a scientist, uh, he studied physics at... Um, uh, in in um, in London, and um, and he now works for a consulting firm in Denver, Colorado. So, and I'm very very proud of them. They are uh, not only good professional but very good people. And you participated to their success with their studies and everything. I remember we talked about it once that you were very proud that you could participate to financing their studies uh, with thanks to your portable career that you've built. Yes, yes, because, you know, uh, diplomats, uh, normally when they are in the country, they don't uh, necessarily earn as much as, as the, they get when they are abroad. And my daughter, who was going to Columbia University at the time that we were living in Peru, uh, of course, we that, that was a, a huge um, impact in our uh, finance, and I was really glad to be uh, able really to um, contribute to, to the economy of the family at that precise time. Yeah. Mm, that's amazing. <laughs> so, so that's really, for those who want to do the same, how did you manage to earn that money while, because at that time your kids were much younger. So how did you manage your family, your, your tasks as a mom, as a wife, and be able to earn that money to be able to support your family um, any insights about that? Yeah, I am. Uh, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. I probably got the right job at the right time. Um, but but the the um, time that I I I was mentioned 
uh, it was really when they, uh, my daughter went to the university, I was not as young as, <laughs> I was in, in, in a stage in my career that I, I had a, um, a manager uh, position mm. in, 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 a, in a company. Yeah. yeah, so that's mm-hmm. that's great. And so before we say goodbye, is there any tips you would like to share with other expat spouses who want to build a career like you did in their very specific niche in research, which is very specific, and in general, any any tips you would share? I would say be resilient. I I noticed that uh, sometimes it's not easy. Uh, I, I had a lot of ups, but a few downs. Sometimes um, I was um, feeling that the job that I was having, it was not up to what I could have. But I, I, I thought, okay, that is a step to, to keep my career going up. So, and, um, yeah, keep keep moving. Don't feel that because you are not getting everything, you are not be going to be able to move to move uh, uh, again up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be resilient and and mm-hmm. keep going. That's a great message to share. To, and is there any book that you would recommend uh, to the Nomad Nation? Uh, yeah, I, I probably, as I, I mentioned, I'm very focused on 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 in books related to to e- economy. But uh, I I enjoy um, uh, I'll say two months ago a book that is called Who Cooked Adam Smith Dinner mm. uh, by Catherine uh, Marsal. And the reason why I I enjoy is. Even though it's a book about women in, in, in economy, it's, it's a witty and, and entertaining book that shows you how uh, incredible that the women job, especially if you are not part of the formal economy, you are not part of the GDP of your country. Uh, because incredible, but there is no yet a, mesh, a way to measure the work that women are doing when they are not part of of a formal uh, work environment. And many other uh, things about women in in, in the economy. And I like the title because the title is related to the fact that, uh, you know, Alan Smith is the father of the economy. But he was a a single man who lived with uh, his mom. So thanks to her, his mom, he could work. So this this is something that you forget. You normally don't take into account that, that there are always someone that is doing something that allows you to work. So it's, it's a this is a fantastic book. book. I can't wait to read it because I talk about it a lot and it's very relevant to the expat spouses. I yeah. always say that globalization, as we know, it would never happen if we didn't have the spouses who would move abroad to support their husband's career abroad to do politics, diplomacy, or business. So this is really a great book. So I will, I will put it nomination on the link of this, on the webpage of this episode. And um, what can we find you, Sonia, if you want to reach you? Okay, I am, I am LinkedIn yeah. and, uh, and, of course, Facebook. Um, and 
you can reach me always through um, my email. Um, it's, um, I, I can share with you my personal email, which is uh, my name, Sonia underscore, and my uh, last name, but my uh, last name as a single, Alcazar, <laughs> not Mesa Cuadra, okay. <laughs> at, at yahoo.com. Wonderful. I will put that in the webpage of this episode. Thank you so much, Sonia. This was so interesting to get to know your story and how amazingly you managed to build this great career uh, and, and a portable one. So thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. Thank you, Amel. It's a pleasure. Nomad Nation, I hope that you enjoyed the great insights of our guest today. If you did, please make sure to share it with your friends. See you at the next episode and stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.